Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about no PvP in Anthem. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live. I'm probably live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage or just look up say no to rage on the Twitch app to come in and watch these streams and submit questions. They're included right here on the screen. If you're here live, submit those questions and make sure you're following the stream. Let's jump right into the questions. First one from Secret Ghost. With all the similarities and differences with Anthem and Destiny and even The Division, do you think we'll start pulling from each game and wanting changes to other games, like wanting something inside Destiny to be more how Anthem does it and so on? This is a good question because I think people do this all the time. Uh, And I'm going to give you an example of how this happened actually quite a bit yesterday. We had a bit of a back and forth about this. People don't like the fact that you can't look at your loot and equip it in the mission. You have to wait until you're done and back at Fort Tarsus, and people really don't like that. And my pushback and my contention was, let this game be its own game. You don't need to bring preferences from other games to Anthem. That's not a critique or a criticism. Because I actually think there's good reason to not have that in the game. You don't want people, we called it navel gazing and somebody called it loot gazing. Like, you don't want people constantly stopping, combing over loot, trying to min max and optimize their build in the middle of fairly lengthy strongholds and missions that can be match made into. The game's built around co op play, it's built around the combos and complementing each other. And my concern would be you would really short circuit and halt a lot of that gameplay and flow if people are constantly loot gazing there's a there's a flow and a feel to anthem and that and that that feeling of getting back to base and having a ton of loot to comb over dismantle for materials equip if it's better once you equip it and it is better you change your loadout maybe you want to run something different because oh you finally got a flamethrower and you want to pair that with the tesla coil like these are things you don't want people doing in the missions That's an example of exactly what you're talking about. If people are playing Division and Destiny and Anthem, you need to be careful that you don't come to a given game and say, I really want this game to do this. I'm trying to avoid that with Destiny. I try to lean into identities and uh, into the identity of Destiny and suggest things to improve the loot pursuit in Destiny that isn't based off of Anthem or Diablo or Division because... The loot appeal in Destiny is worlds apart and different than the loot appeal in Anthem. Loot in Anthem is abilities-based, it changes the way that you play, it changes sort of the flow of combat, and the loot in Destiny, a lot of the times the loot that feels really special and really good, is a really great roll on a given gun, or it's an exotic piece of armor that maybe changes the way you use a given subclass. So, you need to make sure you lean into the identity of the game and make the critiques from there. This is why I don't think Anthem would be served well by people paying money to take shortcuts in the leveling and the grind, right? People are worried about that. They saw the screenshot. They're like, oh, you can buy crafting materials. You can buy crafting materials a limited amount with coin. That's an in-game currency. So you can't, like, swipe your credit card a bunch and just... And just pay your way through the grind that's not possible it's an in-game earnable currency only for the materials and there's a limited amount you can buy if they started doing that if they started monetizing the grind like oh you can pay money to bypass this stuff 
I wouldn't even argue against the idea of them trying to make money. I would argue against that idea because it grates against the identity of an of a game as service. A loot pursuit grind game with a longevity with an end game. You don't want to motivate people. It's called I call it you pay to not play. You pay to not play. You pay to play less. And I think that that is where I would I would couch the argument. So if you do something similar when you're playing these games, you need to make critiques and criticisms and requests of Division 2 that are in line with that type of a game's identity. Or you're just going to end up trying to make a big, giant, sort of Voltron video game of like, well, if we take a little bit from Destiny and we take a little bit from Division and a little bit from Anthem, we can have the perfect game. I don't think so. As we said when we were doing the discussion about PvP... I actually think if you try to appeal to everyone, you end up appealing to no one. So a game owning its identity, both in execution of how you get the loot, how you craft, how you move around, that needs to be well in place and not just completely turn it into like almost like a buffet-style video game pulling from other titles. Uh, B.R. Craw uh, says... Do you think there will be a weapon meta in the end game, or will everything be viable since Prime and Debt are the main sources of DPS? I don't think a weapon meta is going to emerge in Anthem, but I could definitely see team comp and builds for certain uh, javelins becoming quote-unquote meta. If you discover, for instance, that... Tesla Coil and Flamethrower is really, really good. But then maybe you get into Grandmaster 1 and 2, and it just doesn't do what you thought it was going to do. Maybe there's another combination that's better. Maybe just running all big dead explosions on top of a Storm's, like, freeze primer. Maybe you discover that that's significantly more efficient. So you're like, well, I don't want to run Flamethrower Tesla. Maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe you get into the endgame and Tesla Coil and Flamethrower is freaking broken because you can just sit on the boss and just bake them with both, just constantly, you know, debt priming the boss over and over and over again. I I think that's going to be where where things end up. But the reason I don't think you're going to feel like you absolutely must run the best build is because of team comp. If there's a build that's really, really strong that isn't reliant on your teammates priming, there's, I think there will also be builds that are reliant and strong if your team is priming. I think there's room and flexibility for both. The reason I think there's room and flexibility for both is because it is built off of combos and timing, refresh rates on your abilities, and, and that's sort of the rhythm. In games like Destiny, the main issue that you're trying to solve is how do we maximize DPS? Well, when you're trying to maximize DPS, what ends up happening is you're all sort of just dialing in. Do you have this loadout? Yes. Do you have this really, really strong, exotic, powerful weapon? Yes. And that's pretty much what everybody goes with. When that's the... When that's the main mode by which you do damage and and combat, that's why it kind of dials in meta. I feel like because each individual javelin has builds that are both different and viable and complementary to other javelins builds, I think there's going to be a little bit more freedom in the end game. Uh, Gank says, I like the idea of no PvP as we see with Destiny when it comes to weapon balancing. Have PvP, having PvP makes it difficult. So without PvP, what do you think Anthem will, Anthem will offer different that will make up for not having that kind of content grind? My hope would be is that it will free them up to do regular content ads that creates a really good drip like we're getting right now in the annual pass. 
Uh, thank you so much, Morgan Lee, for the brand new Prime sub. So many people using their Prime subs here. If you have a Prime sub and you use it on my channel, thank you so much for doing that. It That would be my hope, is that they could get in a good rhythm with like the seasonal rift thing that Diablo does. Something along those lines, I think, would be the path forward for Anthem. And if they're not focused on PvP, this is what ends up happening with PvP. PvP becomes the easy content ads, right? It's like, oh, we can add a map. We can add a mode. It, you don't have to add content. You can literally just be like, well, PvP is in there. Just put stuff in there. Oh, there's new loot to chase. There's new loot to get, right? It becomes the easy content ad. So when they're assessing what they can do from a bandwidth perspective, they're going to say, we can crank out way more PvP way more often. Invest in that. Like if you look at what they've done in Destiny over the years, you know, Iron Banner and Trials kind of became the real easy content injection and we still get really good PVE ads in Destiny so that's not the best example but you can see how it's like it's so much easier just to fill up those containers with loot and without that in there any content ad they come up with any quality of life update any patch any any investment into our experience extending is going to be focused on the PVE experience which I think better suits the game as a service it's a game that you'll play as a hobby and it better suits a game where the big question mark for everyone is how are you extending the end game if they're able to do real easy content and with pvp the end game could get shortchanged or just never really feel like it gets as much love silver subaru would you be okay with a gambit style pvp game for anthem without the invade or something similar i mean i could see having like a boss a boss run speed competition against another team it's like you both load in and it's called a training exercise and it's it's meant to have teams that have really mastered combos and speed running to see who can kill you know these three bosses in a row the fastest i could see them doing something like that so it's a friendly competition right Th- but that's not going to satisfy fans of pvp if we're honest pvp fans want to shoot somebody else in the face like that's what they want to do they want to zip up in the air like iron man and, and and go pew 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 and shoot you down like that's that's what simply wants to do and trust me i i get the appeal i played a lot of pvp games in my day and when i was flying around as a ranger i felt that tug i was like oh that would actually be kind of fun but again i just i don't think it's good for the identity of the game to kind of stay intact and i also think it again leads to everything that we've talked about so if they did something like that, like a friendly competition training exercise where you're seeing who can kill the bosses the fastest, who can rack up the most points chaining combos, I, I think that would be that would be a good way to institute some type of PvP. But again, I don't think that's going to satisfy the folks that are kind of like, why is there no PvP? I don't think it would satisfy them. Um, the underwater experience on PC is pretty bad, delicious, but the thing is, is I use a controller, and the controller just, I think, does a better job. If you pull back when you get in the water, it helps you kind of orient where you're going and then hit forward. When you're flying like I'm flying right now, if you pull back, you almost hover. It almost looks like you're doing like a base jump. You know when people like jump out of an airplane, and they're doing like that weird like hover, and they're not, it doesn't really look like they're moving? You can fly really slow. It's almost a slow hover. Well, when you get into the water, everyone's instinct is to hold forward 
if you get underwater and you pull back, you kind of stop and you float and you almost kind of like look around and then you can hold forward. I think that's one of the issues. It's, it's number one, it's cramped and you're holding forward. So you end up just hitting your face on a wall and that's really hard to orient where you're going. I do know that mouse and keyboard struggles underwater for the sake of optimization of the controls and that does need looked at. Uh, Satura Mari due to having no PvP do you think the quality of the game's PvE will be exponentially better? I don't know if it's going to help the quality of the PvE but it could certainly help the quantity if that makes sense. Now quality we spoke to they don't have to worry about power they can turn the Colossus into a nuke shooting tank and they don't have to worry about what that's going to do to pvp they can turn the storm into a hovering wizard of death and they don't have to worry about what that will do to pvp obviously you have to think about you know the rhythm of combat and bosses so one class doesn't become too universal but that's pretty much it i think it's a little bit easier to tweak pvp is different because you have player versus player you have aiming and intelligence and movement coming in that completely changes the flow of what you do like I want you to imagine what we typically do in Anthem and then imagine what you would do in PvP it wouldn't even look like the same game honestly because of the nature of killing another player is not the same as comboing tanky enemies that are are not moving the way that you're moving right they're either really fast and low health or they're slow and tanky or they're like a big boss that you kind of have to like get out of the way of and they have a huge health bar right there's nothing you're not fighting anything that's moving like you even if they have you fighting things that are moving like you your intelligence level is always going to be better than an ai for the most part even if you're a mediocre player ai struggles to stay up and keep up with just player instinct and, and player decision making so the, the the quality of the PvP I think is served by them not having to worry about power. There's no worry about well, if we give them this ability or we give them this Tesla coil combination or we give them this explosive thing, that's going to break PvP. That helps quality. The other thing that it helps is quantity. I think they can then invest in saying, as I said before, that drip feed content is better served when you're not splitting up the bandwidth, when you're not taking an entire team and saying, you're in charge of PvP, and it's like, oh, well, we were in charge of level building for the DLC, or we were in charge of uh, some of the new abilities and weapon tuning that's coming out. Yeah, well, you're in charge of PvP now. The only way that it wouldn't be a huge problem with respect to bandwidth is if they brought in another team known for and gifted in PvP, and they had them work on it, And it was, again, a completely separate thing. You couldn't take over your loot. You couldn't take over your your items. I still think that grates against the identity of a game where you're pursuing pursuing loot and power going into a player-versus-player environment with none of that loot and power, right? Now, obviously, you would be, oh, I'm I'm better with the maneuverability of the ranger because I play as him all the time. But outside of that, I, I still think you're pulling away from the game's identity, personally. Uh, Aeonu says, why or why not do you think Anthem is better off with uh, without PvP? I outlined all the reasons in the talk. It helps the power fantasy, dev time doesn't get split up, and the identity of the game is better kept intact. You're not intact. You're not trying to appeal to everyone. Salty Truth, do you think a Gambit-like mode in Anthem without Invasion already answered that? You accidentally submitted twice, that's okay. Uh, pu- uh... Cake Shooter says, Will Anthem not having PvP make grinding for endgame seem pointless and dull? This is a this is actually a really good question because a lot of people take this attitude, and this touches on what I just said about it pulls away from the identity. 
if the, if it's completely separate, right? Why am I grinding and looting and getting strong stuff if when I go to the PvP game mode, I can't take any of the stuff with me, right? That pulls away from the identity of the game. I get stronger stuff, I go into encounters and I play the encounters and I feel better, right? So if if they make if they don't have PvP, a lot of people will take this line of thinking though. Why am I grinding for loot if I can't then take it and beat somebody's face in with it, right? The the way that they have built the 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 spectrum of difficulty where once you get to a certain power level everything's going to feel pretty easy even on hard you're going to feel that pull to go into grandmaster 1 the other reason you're going to feel the pull to go into grandmaster 1 is you're looking for the good loot at that point you're looking for masterwork you're looking for legendaries and when you increase difficulty you get those well why should i want to chase those if you get those you get a fully decked out satisfying build that you can then go into the next piece of the difficulty so you're constantly taking yourself up into the upper echelons and having that feeling and that sense of power this is why pvp you can't let pvp short circuit the power fantasy because it, it would mess with that idea of like, dude, I'm on Grandmaster 2, I'm really I'm really polishing and finishing off my build, I'm feeling really, really good, and I can go into the next level and feel stronger and feel like these fights are crazy hard, I gotta work with my team, my build matters, like your sense of power keeps going up. And then if they do the Diablo season rift system of extending the end game, you have that sense of I'm invested. I got to get ready for the next season. I got to get decked out for the next thing. And you're going to want to complete your loadout. You want to get to get all the goods. You got four javelins to invest in at all those layers of difficulty at all those tiers of, of weaponry. It's far more complex. And like, I get your question. It's like, well, I'm going to get completely decked out. What's the point? If you're more PVP in your mindset, if that's kind of been your habit is to get the best loot and then go into PVP and show off your prowess, I get that disappointment. But again, as I said on the outset, you have to let a game kind of be the game that it's meant to be and not try to please everybody. Because again, as I said, what's it worth? What's it worth, right? What's it worth to what's up, Moonlight Wolf? Uh, I met her at the uh, at the capture event. What's it worth to invest time in a PvP mode if it ends up being lackluster, not that good? If it has problems, what's that worth? What are you gaining, right? So, I I actually think you it wouldn't feel pointless and dull if you embrace that that difficulty spectrum and playing with your buds and honing and mastering your build and feeling that sense of power growing as you advance upward instead of just being static that's one of the things with the loot grind in destiny that starts to feel static right you're basically just like i'm just getting gear that feels cooler there's no sense of like upward mobility. Like I'm not going upward into the harder difficulties. I'm not going upward into feeling stronger. Because if you're newer to the game and I've been around the block and I'm like, yo, I'm doing Grandmaster level two. You can't come with me right now. I look and feel like a like a miniature mech god. And 
I think that adds to the longevity, the experience, that sense of investment and loyalty, and that's why I think people really like RPGs. Because when you look at your character, it's clear as day the investment you've put in. Your dope armor, your dope weapons, all that. You know, your level number. I Level number matters less to me, but it does matter to some people. But mainly it's your loot and your loadout. I think your sense of pride in your loadout is going to make you feel cool. Dude, I can debt and prime like crazy, and I'm so strong, and I've got this, and I've got that, and I play in this way, and I've gotten really good and fast with a ranger or an interceptor. That sense of pride is going to come from that, and not just from... And again, that may grate against your sentimentality if you're a PvP player, and I get that, but I think that there's a time and a place for games to not have that. Uh, it's Buddha time says Lono why do you feel like the devs think that they have to add some type of PvP to their games when they are shooters I personally would like Anthem to say PvP free thank you this is a, this is a question that has to do with from whence we came right we talked about this last night on the podcast shooters and PvP shooters have basically brought us to where we are right now okay if you think about the history of of gaming as we know it okay little history lesson for all you young whippersnappers out there the the reason that you have games like anthem and destiny is because of a little game called wolfenstein 3d that led to another game called doom which led to another game called quake and quake 2 and quake 3 which led to other games like call of duty and unreal tournament unreal tournament heavily influenced halo and then call of duty and halo became the two mainstay shooter games on consoles that propelled halo propelled the xbox into a market saturation that was unheard of at the time and then that becomes the catalyst and the touch point of people becoming gamers so you have an entire generation of gamers that influences the next generation of gamers influences the next generation of demand of games that is centered around pvp shooter games so it makes sense that when you look at twitch directories and directories in general they're centered around player versus player games We've departed from shooter, right? But if you look at some of the top games, CSGO, Overwatch, Fortnite, PUBG, they're shooters. You know, they're PvP shooters. They don't have to be first-person shooters. So, I think that when you when that's the sort of the the trajectory of the gaming world, it's understandable that when someone's like, if you're making a shooter, you got to throw PvP in there. And not playing to that fiddle I think is is the key to a game owning its identity and saying we don't need that right we don't we don't need that um, and when you try to do both I feel like one pulls from the other not just in the power fantasy but one pulls from the other with co- with like with quality and that dilution is is dangerous because then the people that want good pve feel like well there's just not as much here as i hoped people that want a good pvp are like well this isn't as good as i hoped and as i said you try to appeal to everyone you end up appealing to no one so you got to be careful with that you end up you end up i think hurting the identity i think destiny to this day has been harmed by pvp because it it got added to a game that was never promoted as being a pvp game but because they were Bungie and because the expectation at the time and Halo and the history, everyone was just sort of like, you, you, why wouldn't you have PvP? Aeon New says, do you think Anthem will bring in 
a hardcore player base long term. Bioware said it's looking for a 10 year plan for Anthem. Do you see that happening? Knowing what we know about players that play these types of games and the lanes they're giving us with the with the the three tiers of difficulty beyond hard and the masterwork and the legendary and the four javelins and the the build potential not only the build potential of a given javelin but the different loadouts you could have you can play one javelin completely different uh as i've said if you want to build one for solo play that is able to do its own priming and deading then when you play with your buddies you could go all dead and your buddy goes all primer and then you guys pair up really really well together given that layer of sort of like out of the box depth i could see a lot of people spending tons of time playing this the, and again you're asking a hardcore player base long term that's the question mark we've all sort of been asking what happens in a, a month after launch what happens two months after launch what's the plan to take the player base and take the experience and extend it beyond a, you know a linear experience or I've, I'm tapped out I've done all the things now what do I do I got four javelins decked out to the max it's been a month and a half since the game came out now what right that's the question now what we don't know the answer to that yet if if they deliver if they deliver good trickle seasons rifts something like diablo does i actually think what they have works very well for that type of player and that type of player base i think what they have is it's unique it it's not only is it unique it's satisfying so it's it's it'd be one thing to play a game it's like oh it's cool it's mech I, i've never seen a game like this but you feel like Iron Man, you feel like, you know, an acrobat, you feel like a Titan from Titanfall. And I think that is one of the keys in hooking people. I said before I went on the trip, the two pillars of a game like this being successful is, number one, a very, very satisfying gameplay loop. If I'm going to play for hours, it needs to be really satisfying. I need to feel cool. The, the feel of the shooting in Destiny hooked people. It's very satisfying. And that's why you can play it for hours. You almost your mind almost shuts off a little bit. The other pillar that's needed is long-term investment paths. And we see some of that with the investment, the crafting, the the tiers of weaponry, and then the tiers of difficulty. We see a glimpse, but getting beyond that into content ads in the future is the big is the big uh, question mark. Uh, light down 96 says for you what is the best javelin I you're not going to see any good gameplay for me in this footage because I didn't have debts and primers explained to me <laughs> so I play a little bit too much like it's a classic shooter I've told a lot of people if you think the combat is boring or you think the game is boring you may be playing too much like a classic shooter you're probably doing two things you're staying on the ground way too much and you're using your guns way too much if you sort of depart from that boots on the ground gun based combat that's when you start to have more fun and I think that's gonna that's gonna get more traction in the launch game because people are gonna go through the tutorial about debts and primers and go into the game initially and from the beginning have that established as their mode of combat and their rhythm and I didn't do that but once I started to feel that and play that, I did that on Sunday with the guys in the demo. I was playing, and I did it with Fallout Plays when we were at the event too. I could uh, dead everything because he was priming with the storm. That's when my eyes sort of were open. I was like, okay, this is a completely different game than I thought it was. And the, and the satisfaction and enjoyment level went, went way, way up. 
Uh, next question. Djarez75, what do you think about the somewhat passive AI of the NPCs? Do you think they'll make them smarter? This was addressed in a recent stream is what I was told. Somebody left a comment on my YouTube and they said, on a recent stream, they addressed the fact that some of the NPCs, well, some of the enemy AI, um, just sort of stands there and like lets you kill them. Now, that obviously needs addressed because you don't want to feel like you're never really truly under under threat. And yeah, and as, and as Moonlight saying, gunplay in the game is is basically for when you're in between abilities. When I was playing as a ranger, I'd go in, I'd hit with my sword, I'd follow up my abilities, get combos, I'd do a little fly around, maybe hover and shoot, and then my abilities were ready. And now it's time to go back to my abilities, right? Like again, it's a, it, they're they're a little bit of an afterthought. They're an intermission. They're an intermission in between the real show. The real show is the abilities. Uh, and flying is not a mode of transportation. It is it is the means by which you interact with the world and combat. A lot of people just think flying is like your sparrow in Destiny. Like, oh, I'm flying from place to place. Flying is... Fly, <laughs> flying is everything in this game. Just like abilities are everything in this game. Those two weave together creates a very different experience than you may have if you're just staying on the ground and using your guns. And the NPCs and the AI not being so... They act a little brain dead, a little dumb dumb. They're kind of dumb dumbs, and that's supposed to be fixed. That was addressed in one of the streams. Um, some of that's probably been worked on by the teams that work on the worlds and work on the responses. So, if you're new to the stream and you've never been here before, thank you for being here. This is something I do with a lot of my content. I do, like, a a podcast-style format. So, be sure to click the follow button if you're enjoying. Submit questions if you would like. They're hitting the screen right next to me. Uh, SNTR Presents is the name of the podcast. name of the stream is Say No to Rage. That's where SNTR comes from. And I do this in Destiny. Doing an anthem is fun as well. I'm enjoying this. I plan to do this whenever there's updates or relevant things to talk about and I plan to do it in Division as well. My goal with my stream is to not just play games, but to give you as a viewer. I'm giving you a hub of content. You can show up, there's a discussion, there's a topic, there's a Q&A. You're a part of the content and that's my kind of my goal uh, with, my cha- with my channel and so I appreciate you guys being here. Satan Soul says, Why isn't there a big controversy about the downgrade Bioware to the game? Their reveal trailer, which detailed in-game footage captured in real time, was literally a lie because their trailer shows a different world game. I actually would need to check what you're saying. I think it sounds like you're overstating it just a little bit. I, the, creating trailers with, with the when they say in-game footage captured in real time... When this game has its graphics cranked, it looks really good. A lot of what you're seeing on streams doesn't look good because optimization isn't there. Driver updates are probably needed. This recording right here has been downgraded because it's been recorded. You're watching it through a stream. Uh, I, the, the frame rate's not going to be as good. Like, there's a lot of, there's, there's like three layers of downgrade that you're seeing right now. Number one, it was recorded. Number two, I'm playing it in the smaller screen. Number three, you're watching it over the internet at 900p instead of the max resolution. So, there's like layers of degradation. So, unless you've played this game on a PC at max settings, it's difficult to say they lied. I don't think they did. I've not seen any footage of the game that I felt like was 100% divorced from what I played on the souped-up systems at the event. And when I run it at 1440 and I get 90 to 100 FPS flat because my gaming ring is a monster, 
I don't feel like there's any downgrade to the graphics. This doesn't even look as good as it runs on my system. I get the game to look better on my system than this because I turned off post-processing down to low because there is some motion blur. Uh, Camera shake needs to go too. That makes it rough for viewers on Twitch as well. But um, they did not point that's not the point at all. Please look at the trailer. Please tell me they didn't change the entire world. They showed off an entirely different game. I don't know what trailer you're talking about. I remember watching a trailer in 2017 that was two years ago and I saw a mortar fire and a missile launch and I remember telling people two years ago it is an abilities based game, not a shooter and what I saw two years ago is exactly the experience I've had both at the capture event and in the demo so I'm not sure what world you you think they showed you in, in the trailer that isn't here everything I've, I've been watching the game for two years because I cover E3 on my channel um, if you're saying the world looks different I, there are times where the world looks bland and there are times where the world looks amazing I noticed that time of day has a huge effect on it when I fly out in the very very beginning and the sunlight's hitting the water and it's hitting the leaves it looks phenomenal down in these sections here where the light's not hitting everything it gets a little like almost like a matte texture like a flat texture the lighting's not as vibrant but I, I think you're in many cases overstating uh, overstating your case quite a bit because I've been following the game for two years and I don't accept when companies do that I didn't accept it when it happened with uh, Watch Dogs I didn't ha- accept it when it happened with The Division and I'm not I'm not seeing the, the, the gross changes and you're the first person to bring that up um, I'm not trying to hate but the in-engine gameplay reveal showed the world way more detailed but I don't take your criticism as valid unless you have actually sat in front of a monitor at max settings, max texture, max lighting effects. Because when I do that on my system, it looks exactly like what they showed in those trailers. You're watching people's streams and YouTube channels where they dumb down settings to get better frames per second, or you're seeing degraded resolution, you're seeing degraded crispiness, all that goes down by the time you see it. When I play it at Ultra on my monster rig over here, it it looks exactly like the trailers. There's too much spectrum. If you're playing on Xbox and complaining about the degradation of graphics, you got a problem with Xbox, not with the trailer. Uh, D. Jiraz... 75. What is your opinion relating to the differences between the E3 trailer of 2017 and the demo? The world in the fort looks so much better then? Yeah, I don't agree with this. We just talked about this. I've seen the trailers. I think the game when you run it at max settings looks like that. Right? So I'm not allowed to take an official gameplay reveal in 4K for comparison? No. When you know a game is launching on the Xbox, this PlayStation 4 and PC, okay, and you're going to watch that trailer, you know that trailer is at the best possible settings they can. They're not going to show you a trailer at the graphical degradation of an outdated console. That would be a very stupid thing to do. Like, I just... I, I don't understand that... We're not watching the trailer right now. You don't dictate to me what I do or my content. I, I, I have watched the trailers. I have watched the footage. I have seen the vids and the animated GIFs on Twitter. I've seen all of the gameplay samples, all the souped-up graphics, and my game looks like that on Ultra Settings on my PC. If you don't get that on your Xbox, again, 
you are completely disconnected from what happens with games when they launch. They're not going to look as good on the Xbox as on a souped-up PC. They're not going to look as good as the trailer. That has been going on for the past 10 years. That's just... that Trailers are, are maxed settings, and you don't get maxed settings on a console. So... Um... If I remember right, the gameplay trailer showed a completely different story mission compared to what we play to get people intrigued to follow the game more. And in my opinion, I believe the trailers and games show different missions or gameplay from what you play so you get different experiences. Okay, you can't say that until the game launches because we played the teeniest, tiniest slice of the game. So you don't know if that story mission's gone. You're, you're acting as if you played the full game. You haven't. And second, his issue was with the graphical fidelity. How do you know the missions that that you saw are different than the missions that we're going to be playing? I don't understand how you could possibly know that. I just we don't we haven't played the full game. So thank you for gifting us up the Moonlight Wolf Donkey Sajid. I appreciate that. Uh, Slappy Thug, what are your first impressions on Anthem? My first impressions video basically outlined what I was going there and what I was concerned about. I was not I, I was not I did not go to the capture event thinking that I was going to enjoy the game as much as I did I hadn't been following the streams I hadn't been following the details in the blog post so I didn't know about the debts the primers I didn't know about the four classes I wanted to go in inexperienced I had seen the trailers and covered their e3 their e3 pressers and stuff but I didn't I didn't read the blogs and read about all the different abilities and stuff and so I was anticipating not really enjoying myself. I thought that they were going to appeal to sort of a niche market and I wasn't going to be uh, one of those people. And after the tutorial and one mission, I was sold on the gameplay loop. I was like, this is so satisfying. And I'd only, I'd only played as a ranger. Uh, I'd only played as a ranger. And so I was sold on the content loop. And then when I saw the crafting, the tiers of the weapons and the abilities and the guns and the armor, all those different tiers. And then when I saw the layers of difficulty all the way up into Grandmaster 1, 2, and 3 with those increases in drop rates and health and all of that, I was sold. I was like, this is such a smart way to build a game. This is doing a lot of the things that I've been saying Destiny doesn't have, especially with difficulty spectrum and depth of gear. So... If if you're asking my first impressions, that's kind of my first impressions. So, when they released the first trailer, it was supposedly on the Xbox One. It was alongside the release of the Xbox One. From what I remember, it was a 4K Xbox One. Remember, that's why people wonder. I have no opinion, just what I remember. But, I mean, I'm not even going to get into that anymore, though. That's what companies do. Like, it's not quote-unquote lying for them to say, this is what our engine is capable of, this is what it looks like. Now, if they said blatantly on the screen, this is the exact experience you will have on the Xbox One, well, then sure, you could take issue, or the Xbox One X, right, with the 4K. Well, then you could take issue and be like, well, it doesn't look like that now, right? You guys have degraded the game. Sometimes it's not even intentional or malicious, and that's why you're saying, oh, they're lying. Sometimes they think, yeah, dude, we can make this game look amazing, and then as the game scales, they're like, no, the Xbox isn't strong enough for that. The CPU's too weak. You're going to have to scale that down. You're going to have to lower the rendering on those textures. You're going to have to dial back render distance on this area because it's just too far. Water fidelity, like the lighting and in the, in the dynamic lighting on the water, you can't do that, right? As the game scales, it doesn't work. So they're not. it's not always like malicious. I think sometimes they're like, this game's looking great, it's running great, here's a sample, this is what it looks like. And then as things advance, they're like, we're gonna have to tone some of this down. I, 
I'm not making excuses for people being misleading because, again, I feel like everything I've seen, the game looks like that when I play it. So. D. Jarez, is there something like an infusion system in Destiny? Can I upgrade the power level of a level 20 legendary to level 40? No. Not that I saw. Not that I saw. Um. The moment he realized he can combo in the video, dude, I had no idea. I played almost two full days and almost never comboed. I've, I really, really missed out. Um, so the, the infusion system of going from a level 20 legendary to level 40, as far as I could see, there's nothing like that. You have to get it to drop again, but crafting, once you have the blueprint of that, of that item as you level up, I'm pretty sure you can just craft it and then it drops at wherever you are. Like it hits your level, right? So you can craft that again and then it drops at your level. But that's where the grind from the materials is going to come into play. So. Winter Knight Harry Dresden says, Have we heard anything about Shaper Storms recently from Bioware sources? No. All we know is that Shaper Storms are a part of the extension of the gameplay. We don't know to what degree. I have theorized Shaper Storms will be like rifts from Diablo, and that's how they'll add new gear sets and gear in gear pursuit, and it'll be like a randomization of areas that we've already been playing enemies and boss fights that we've already played it'll almost be like a randomizer similar to what they do with the rift system because the shaper storms and the shaping of worlds is a part of the lore and they could just weave that right into the extension of the end game uh what can you say about the colossus from staley there there's a rhythm to colossus and there's something that that makes colossus bad in the demo a lot of people played Colossus in the demo and they're like, this guy is trash. I die super, super fast. And there's a reason that that happened. Basically, the Colossus needs mod components to give him armor and health. And when you when you get just like one mod component that adds to your your armor and your health, it completely changes everything. So, if you... I got one blue mod component, and it added 800 armor and, like, 200 health. My whole experience changed from one drop. So, they drop you in the game midstream, and they didn't have the Colossus built with gear that was suitable. He, if he could have just had some green components to add good armor and, and, and health, he would have been fine. He, he, but just out of the box in the demo, he wasn't paced. I don't think he was properly scaled to what we were doing. So once you get that out of the way, I think a lot of what he does, a lot of what the Colossus can do is there's two things going on. Number one, if you build him heavy on the debt side, which a lot of his abilities are debt, he can be a little too dependent on his teammates. But that's okay if you're playing organized. If you're not playing organized and you kind of want to have a solo build... I think one of the most common builds you're going to see from everything we're hearing is the flamethrower and the Tesla coil because the two dead end prime each other. The flamethrower primes them and the Tesla coil debts them. So when you're doing that, you're just, I mean, you're mowing through. That'd be more like a solo build, right? 
Tesla coil is great for solo build anyway because you get the shield out and you just can kind of walk around and it's like shocking everybody. So when you're doing that, I think you get a better feel for the flow. The other thing that people need to realize about the Colossus is that he does not have an intrinsic shield like the rest where the shield's like above your health and then when you lose it, you can hide and it comes back. His shield is his shield, like he gets it out. And after you, whenever you get low health or low ammo, it's actually not that hard to get out your shield and just run through trash ads and get health and ammo back or fly through them. Like it's really, really good. So, um, you're fair to the dev process while still offering, uh, insightful critique. It's refreshing. Thank you. I, no problem. I, I listen, I'm not going to ever excuse shoddy work, you know, but I'm also going to understand that making requests for changes is made big, big strides for Destiny in Destiny 2 with Forsaken. It really helped Division, and Division 2 is going to be the benefactor of that, and I think Anthem's future can be very much helped and influenced and aided by our feedback and insight and not just turning into, like, an angry mob if there's problems or something's not right or if we feel like that something could be better. The best thing to do is to voice that and invest in Uh, my goal for the last four years is to have a more symbiotic relationship with developers and I think developers are catching that vision I've been saying that for four years that developers and the communities can start to have a more symbiotic relationship where we're investing in the hobby that we enjoy and and they're right there alongside of us instead of feeling like it's an us versus them situation it's more of an us together situation um you know we're we're not we're not fighting against them we're, we're we're fighting with them we want the game to be as best as possible and so do they the last thing you want we've talked about this a lot with destiny and an an angry or a vocal community is a thousand times better than an apathetic or an uninterested community so as soon as your community becomes apathetic or disenfranchised or uninterested, that's when your game dies. But if people are interested and they're invested and that leads to a passion and a fire and, a, and, and, and then you're complaining and critiquing, that's why you can critique what you love because it comes from a place of, I want to see this game improve and be better. And then when the developers catch that vision and don't get bogged down by, they're attacking the game. We need to defend our vision. We need to defend our philosophy. Sometimes developers just need to accept the fact that the community doesn't know what's best, but what's best is sometimes what the community wants. Nobody really knows what's best until the game lands on the ground and people start to express their like or dislike of given mechanics and executions of things. So... I think that's one of the things that companies are starting to lean into. When we were at the capture event, we sat down for 20 minutes and just provided feedback and they they put it all into a document and took it with them because they want to know. If they go to the X number capture events and they come back and they say, yeah, everybody we're sitting down with is saying X, Y, and Z about this ability. Too weak, too strong, whatever. Animations are too slow on Colossus. Fill in the blank, right? If if that if that's consistent feedback, then that aids the game's benefit. That aids the game's quality. It it helps things progress. So, uh, Master says, "Do you think this game, more so than others, will rely on the competency and the XP of your teammates when engaging in large scale battles?" This is, a, this is a question that is very, very important because I think a lot of the times what's going to happen is you're going to get to a place where you want to play hard or Grandmaster 1. 
and you're going to get match made with people that don't know what's going on or they're not built to compliment you. You build all debt and they're all debt and nobody can prime because you just got done playing with your buddy and then he's got to leave and he was priming for you and now you don't have somebody priming for you. I continue to say that what people are really going to want to lean into is having two loadouts. You're going to want to have a loadout that is more self-sufficient. It, 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 it primes and it debts for itself. Uh, because if you do that, then you're you're able to sort of go through that content and not be like, well, nobody's priming for me. Yeah, I can't do anything. You're able to you're able to prime and debt your own attacks, and then your your sort of maximized build would be the one that is okay. I'm going to do all the priming, or I'm going to do all the deading, and then you you sort of team up with the buddy kind of in the team. And I think that'll help. I also think there's there's. There's nothing wrong, and as as Moldy Baloney's saying, that's actually really smart. You could have a primer build, a debt build, and both. One that kind of can do both. The one that can do both is good for solo. The one that's primer, the one that's debt, you're going to pull out depending on who you're playing with, right? Now, another thing to consider is, since there's matchmaking for everything, if there's matchmaking for everything, well, then you can go into hard instead of Grandmaster 1, find some competent players that you feel like you have good 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 rhythm and, and synergy with and then say like hey why don't we back out after this and team up and try grandmaster one and build and build around one of us doing debt one of us doing primer like add people to your friends list if you want to have that multiplayer synergistic cooperative experience then you gotta you, you gotta invest a little bit they can't do all the work for you Right? It's not like a dating site where they're going to drop matches in your lap and be like, well, this guy is really nice. He plays on a Friday night. He's got a calm demeanor, and he really likes to prime. They're not going to do that. you got to own a little bit of it and say, I'm going to try and find people that, that I want to play with. I'm going to enjoy you know, playing with, but or, or maybe just people that know what the frick they're doing. And if you're having bad luck and you keep getting matched with dum-dums, I mean, you kind of have to accept the fact that it's not a perfect world. I mean, you're not always going to get matched with people that know what's going on. I think the further you get into the difficulty spectrum, the more likely you're going to find competent players because they're going to have to be strong enough to even consider it. And by the time you get to Grandmaster 2, Grandmaster 1, I would think you're more likely to run into competent players that aren't going to... Like, if they throw themselves in there by accident and get their head crushed, they're not going to stay in there and expect people to carry them. It's the, the missions take too long. I think people would back out and say, oh, whoops, I'm not strong enough for that yet. So I think you're sampling would be pretty good. I think the people that you would find that, you know, you're getting match made with in the higher levels of difficulty would start to, over time, it would refine, that player pool would refine itself and there would be more competent than incompetent players in that higher end pool. So. Chola88 with the next demo, will, uh, will the next demo be the same old build or will they update the game and show us how the game really is? Uh, I'm about to cancel pre-order if this demo also fails. They spoke pretty frank about what they can and can't fix. Their primary their their primary focus is to try to fix the infinite loops and the rubber banding oh, and the 95% lock. Those are like the three things they're really setting their sights on. Um, as far as you know, frame rate performance, graphical performance, the mouse and keyboard control optimization that people are asking for. I, I didn't see any of that listed. Now, there are lots of optimization changes and things coming. I've, I actually felt when I was at the capture event, there had already been some changes to that build that we played. 
there were just simple UI changes, uh, let alone there, there more than likely was mouse and keyboard and other optimizations because I didn't hear anybody there complaining about anything. They complained about the water controls, but we all kind of complained about that. I've been using a controller since moment one. Even even our controller, water can be tough. So they're going to focus on those three things. The 95% loading problem, the infinite loop loading problem, and then the... And then the... Uh, the... I'm sorry... The rubber banding. Those are the three things they're setting their sights on. I think the 95% loading, the infinite loops, and the rubber banding, that's all connected to the, the, the connectivity, the netcode. Something was wrong. Something was off with people's connections to the servers. So that that I think that's why they're setting their sights there because those are all kind of interrelated. Optimization may be related to, you know background I don't I don't know how it all works like updates to the engines the textures there could also be a there could also be an Nvidia patch on the way to optimize um, and help the game run better because a lot of the times that's that's what we're dealing with is it's just it's it's running on outdated stuff that went until you get the full launch it's not in there listen they want and I want pretty much everybody that's interested in the game wants the next demo to go well. Uh, because the, if you're saying you're going to cancel your pre-order, if it's not good, you got to consider something. A lot of the people that are going to be playing this weekend haven't pre-ordered. It's a question mark for them. And if this weekend goes poorly, they're going to have their answer. And that's unfortunate because it's such a good game. As I said, if you're trying to show your friend a really good album and the album keeps skipping and messing up and they don't get to experience the album as you know it, as good as it is, that's all. That'd be really frustrating and sad. Well, that's how I felt watching so many people not be able to play. I was like, I just came from a capture event where I fell in love with a game I knew very little about, a game that I didn't think I was going to play that much, and I was convinced. I was like, I got, I got one over, and then I come back from the trip, and I'm like, what on earth happened? You know, what on earth happened? And they were disappointed too. It wasn't like they were happy. Um, so. Next question. Anthem says, Hi there, I want to start live streaming this game as it pops. What advice can you give me as a newbie? I clicked on your account. You made your account two days ago. So I would say you're not going to have anybody watch your stream. You're way too new uh, to get any traction. I will struggle to get traction during the launch date, and I just cracked 140,000 followers and over 4 million views on the channel, and I will struggle when this game launches. Um, I will obviously have my my that loyal base that'll watch me play solitaire, right? They'll watch me play anything, but the directory will be unbelievably full and just busting at the seams. So the best thing for you to do if you're new is you don't think about the numbers, you don't think about people watching. You need to become good at streaming. I've all, this has been my motto and sort of my mantra to people. You can't grow your stream until you grow as a streamer. So your your focus one in like the, the beginning months of streaming is to not grow your stream, is to grow as a streamer. And so you get comfortable talking, reading chat, understanding the technology so your mic doesn't sound like Duke and your video quality is not atrocious. Like there's all those boxes you gotta check, man. You gotta spin a thousand plates just to get the stream off the ground. So that's that's where I would set your sights and basically expect that nobody's gonna watch because you have a two-day-old account. <laughs> no one knows who you are yet, and that's not—I'm not slamming you. I'm giving you the truth. 
strictly cannabis. I think the game works well as a co-op only, but it wouldn't hurt to have a PvP mode to load into. How would you think PvP would be implemented in this game? It would need to be, as I said, way down the line and completely and utterly separate. Completely and utterly separate so they could balance it and say, Oh, well, the flamethrower's too strong. Great. Tweak it in PvP. Don't you dare mess with my build in PvE. I'll, I will pitch a full-on fit if you do that, right? So that it would need to be completely separate. And it would need to be further down the line. Capture a player base, own your identity, get the game off the ground, and then if you want to get a team to build a PvP mode, consider it. But again, dev time getting taken away and and owning your identity and not diluting it, I think is really important in the early stages of a game. Don't try to please everybody. Uh, Badge says, how would, a, uh, how would a Destiny with no Crucible have fared? It, well, it's hard to know, right? Like, we're, we're, we, we're completely fabricating and speculating about a, an, an, a history that doesn't exist. But if I imagine the Crucible team not creating Crucible content and creating, I don't know, strikes, the, imagine strikes, missions, all that being built by the Crucible team, and, and imagine... Imagine that same team saying, here is, uh, here's the entire loot pool from PvP, all built for PvE content. There's so much loot in PvP, right? In, in, in Destiny. So that entire side of the game gets littered throughout, right? All that loot, all those things, and then all that dev time that they spent on PvP could have been spent on the maps, the balancing, all of it could have been you know brought up you know brought over and so i don't necessarily know if we should have timed out strictly cannabis there dupless said stop with the pvp talk go play a pvp game not every game needs pvp i think dupless was a little bit more squelching to conversation than strictly cannabis i appreciate the questions about pvp this is literally the topic the game not having pvp so we might want to reassess how we handle that because I don't think I think his exchange with Duplass was fair <laughs> it was a fair exchange we're talking about PvP we don't need to be scolding folks uh, Duplass for bringing up PvP it is the subject <laughs> this is going to be a consistent thing it's going to be a consistent subject people will be surprised at the absence of PvP it's a, it's a built in expectation in the gaming world so I'm okay with the question coming up all the time I am I am totally fine with it I'm, 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 I'm equipped to answer it and you know I'm equipped to answer it and, and help people see why that change might actually benefit them if they're a fan of Anthem mm, the only crew would you like to see a game mode where you play against other players but not directly face to face yeah we talked about that like a race you know killing bosses getting points for combos and stuff I think that could be yeah that could be fun because then it's all about maximization but again Adding that's cool, but it's not going to land on fans of PvP. It isn't. It, I don't think it's going to land on them. So, Stormcrow, I feel Destiny, I feel Destiny like PvP would ruin Anthem for me. If they go to do PvP, I would like it as just a mayhem mode with no real balancing. Just run around the map, flying, shooting, friends or other people, dive bombing, etc. Just like a fun Iron Man simulation PvP. Rather than a competitive balance mode, what do you think? 
Well, again, you're talking about development time and, and focus and work being put into a mode that might just sort of, everybody's like, they shrug at it. Like, what's the point? If it's, if it's just mayhem and it's chaos, would it dilute itself into silliness? And if it dilutes itself into silliness, then is it going to be appealing? Is it going to get engagement? Was there any point in doing it to begin with? Does that make sense? Like, why? Like, I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun for a little bit, but this is like when people ask for SRL and Destiny, Sparrow Racing. It's like, why? Why devote development time to it? It's frivolous and silly and goofy and doesn't get tons of engagement. It certainly would engagement over time. So fighting for fighting for a somewhat arcadish, silly, you know, stuff like that. I don't think. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that you would you would see it it fare very well over time. I don't think it would. It's Buddha time. So what are your thoughts on adding something like a horde mode instead of PvP? I would think that would be fun. I think this game is ripe for horde mode. Uh, there's a there's a fight in one of the missions where you're on like a platform and there's these shock things that keep shocking you and you kind of have to shoot them and then the and then the enemies keep coming. I want you to think about the class of enemies you've seen up to this point and think about what that would feel if there was sort of a progression of difficulty and then many bosses and then in bosses you know kind of like what you do in the forges but way like more more waves i would love a horde mode in this i think it would be really really fun and i think with the combos and the damage it would be neat to see the difficulty keep going and going and going honestly now that we're talking about it that would be a great way to test your metal and see just how great your team's comp is. You guys think we can go into Grandmaster 1? Alright, well let's try Horde Mode. After after Wave 9, it hits Grandmaster 1, and we'll see how we do. We can kind of practice, we can kind of warm up, we might get some dope loot, right? That could be cool. Because you, you get to the higher end levels and it starts getting into the Grandmasters, and you're like, we are not ready, <laughs> we are getting crushed. That could be a, re- a really, really cool way to do it. Uh, Alex Mike says, uh, do you think the jetpack cooldown needs to be removed? I feel like it's unnecessary and lessens the fun of the gameplay when you have to land or fly, uh, over water to reduce the cooldown. You need to remember that it is an RPG and the things that you're doing, the cooldown of your abilities, how strong your abilities are, how often and far you can fly. Those are things you will invest in over time. So you will start to feel upgraded later on and that'll you'll have a sense of reward like yo i can i don't have to land all the time now yo when i'm in combat i can stay in the air for a really long time because you have to understand that's why i said last night and today flying is not merely a mode of transportation i gotta get from point a to point b it's time to fly and then you don't and then you don't fly anymore any any anymore that's it that's not how flying works. It's all part and parcel to the experience. So the length at which you can fly is the length at which you can hover, and how long you can hover is intrinsically linked to your efficiency. Like, I can stay in the air, I can hover, I can fly, I can zoom over there and stay in the air and shoot these guys. All of that's, all of that's interconnected. So as that goes up, that's part of you going up, but also in your strength and your efficiency and everything else. So... A no-fly limit outside of combat would be nice. 
I might meet you on the ground and agree with you there and say yeah if I'm not in if I'm not in a combat zone if there's no red on my radar you, you got to be careful with cheeses though because if people fly up far enough to deagro everything then they could just fly forever and recover all their health and kind of manipulate it there's a lot of things that can happen when that when when you allow people to just oh I'm not in combat I can fly infinitely you know what I mean am I a dev no I'm an EA game changer that went to the capture event and I'm excited about the game and I like making content like this Valor Bunker when there's no PvP what kind of competitive options would you like to see for Anthem speed runs on the forges would be a great place to start just initially and then as we said a horde mode or a competitive mode where you try and clear bosses and waves of things faster than another team at the same exact time there's a couple of options there I think right out of the gate they could just do speed run leaderboards for the uh, for the tiers of difficulty in the uh, strongholds so when you do Grandmaster 1 you know you can you can do it faster than everybody else maybe there's an accolade for that maybe you uh, maybe when you when you get the first maybe they set like a like a, a par and maybe the first time you drop under par and you get like a fast run maybe you get a, like a, a little bit of extra buff on your rewards and then if you unseat the leaders you get you get a little something extra you just got to be careful with stuff like that if it does if it does lead to rewards and not just accolades that it's not cheesable or something that can kind of be cheated, right? Um, so, will I be covering Anthem content? That is the plan, yes. If you're here and enjoying this, by the way, be sure to click the follow button. That's the little heart button. What I do with my channel is I give you a hub of content. I do this in Destiny. I pick a topic. I do a talk. We do Q&A. You're a part of the content. You can come here and not just watch me play a game, but be a part of the content and have sort of a hub of coverage and topics and discussions that's kind of my goal and it's we've it's gone over really well in the destiny community and it's already going over really well here so i appreciate those of you that are here and taking part what's the no-nos of an ea game changer i'm allowed to say and criticize parts of the game i can't trash the game i can't trash the developer or the publisher and that makes perfectly good sense That'd be like me trashing G Fuel. Hey guys, make sure you use my code for G Fuel. Company's kind of dumb. I hate them, and I think the stuff tastes like crap. Like that would be stupid, right? Why would you do that to a company you're in partnership with? So I can criticize and say I don't like this change. I wish they would update this. I wish that this was paced better. I'm allowed to do that as long as I'm respectful and not dogging the game and trashing it. They did not once at the event tell us what to say or how to say it. They just said. Don't capture the store because it's not finished yet. There's a bunch of placeholders there and you're going to give out bad information if you show this to the public because it's not finished. And they said, number two, don't focus on bugs. Don't make a whole video about a bug because you're going to run into bugs. Why focus on that? Like, then someone shared the store. Yeah, well, people are stupid. (laughs) People don't pay attention. Slappy Thug. Second question. Do you think the lack of PvP could possibly damage the game in terms of marketability? No, I don't think so. I think people are interested, people have been paying attention, people have been watching, and, and the 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 intrigue and interest in the directory and on YouTube videos is high, uh, content's doing well, that means the gaming world has their eyes on the game, and if the gaming world has their eyes on the game, that means folks want to play it, and they have done that by marketing a mech-based RPG sci-fi shooter abilities based game and they haven't once mentioned pvp or showcase pvp so 
Kylock official. Do you feel like Anthem will be an amazing game? I understand you can't say say, but what do you think? If there's no PvP, Anthem will be better since it's PvE focused. What do you think? You're asking a lot of questions here. If I think it's going to be an amazing game, I mean, I think it's going to deliver a very fun content loop that's unique. It's going to add a nice loot pursuit with good longevity. And the, and the question mark behind all of this, waiting out in the distance, is how are they going to extend the end game? That's going to be the continued question that I ask because that's where people end up living. You get to the end game and that's where you live. You run that loop. You chase that stuff. So. Shiesty McGee. No PvP sounds like a great opening for insane powers and builds similar to Diablo 3, but is the 3 ability limit going to hamper the possibilities and prohibit possible synergy? No, because this doesn't limit you to 3 abilities. You have 3 placeholders for abilities. So you can run Mortar Strike and a Missile You can on the, on, the, on the Colossus. If you don't like the Mortar Strike and the Missile, you can run Tesla Coil and a Flamethrower. You can run Venom Spitter. You can run Flat Cannon. The abilities are not that limited at all. There's a ton of abilities you can use on each on each individual class. There's just there's only so many buttons you can hit, right? I mean, how many abilities do you need at a given time? What do you want to run in with ten and do everything by yourself? You see what I'm saying? Limitations on your freedom create decisions. Those decisions create a sense of reward for strategy. If there is no limitations on your freedom, then it starts to feel frivolous. It's like, I can do whatever the frick I want. I got 10 abilities. I'm doing all the work. I don't need anybody to play with me. So, uh, the the limitation on abilities is not... You're not limited to three abilities. You're limited to three buttons, right? Actually, it's four, because your melee is either a primer or a debt, and then you have LB and RB. Then you have the support ability, which is LB and RB together. So that's four. Then you have your ult, that's five. Then you have your two weapons, six and seven. Then you have your movement, and then you have your actual combo. Your combo behaves differently depending on which class you have. I learned that last night. So you have a lot going on that you could your colossus and my colossus you could probably have four or five colossus that are completely different as we said a little bit ago you can build a colossus that's all detonation then you can build a colossus that's all primer then you can build a colossus that does a little bit of both you're not you're not as limited as you may think what's up duck were you part of the ea game changers program and if so uh, what were the performance differences between the build and the demo i didn't feel any performance differences because when I play this game on my rig my rig is very similar to the rigs that they have I get 90 to 100 FPS on ultra everything uh, 14, 1440 uh, resolution 144 hertz refresh rate and the game looks just freaking beautiful the only thing I turn down is post processing to low because you have to do that as well as turn off motion blur or there'll still be some level of motion blur the only thing I think they need to do performance-wise, is get rid of camera shake. Uh, it's it's extreme. It's a little too much. So, now, as far as performance differences between the build and the demo, the only thing that I noticed was that there were eight, there were UI differences, and that, I think, is, is just the nature of... There's placeholders and things they put in just so we can play. Um, so... Look at this basic ranger skin. You know what? Don't you mock me, Moonlight, because it wouldn't save it. All of my... All of my, all of my javelins were red, black, and white, 
for branding so it looked like say no to rage and it would never save it and i'm still salty about it because it's a default normie and i don't have i don't look right dadgummit all right rob Detto says i don't know if you noticed uh but do you think a map marker would help oh yeah yeah <laughs> map marker would 100 help um we gave that feedback, and the and the and the community manager was like, "Yeah, I said the same thing." So hopefully that gets implemented, because man, oh man, a marker, a marker would be nice. The best thing to do, okay, best thing to do is to look at the map and say, "Do I need to go northeast, south, or west?" And just use the northeast, south, or west at the top of the screen. Once I started doing that, it wasn't that bad. It actually isn't that hard to to move around once you start doing that. Oh, Moldy's saying they added it. Well, there you go. Uh, Valor Bunker. How do you think? They uh, will matchmaking system will figure out if someone who wants to do a Grandmaster Three dungeon and actually be able to do it. I, I I'm gonna assume I'm gonna assume here they're gonna not let you click on it unless you're a certain power level because you don't want trollish idiots going in and being like, hey, I'm brand new to the game and I'm gonna pick Grandmaster Two and then they keep getting thrown in the matchmaking and being an anchor on some team like yeah carry me suckers. I think they're gonna have to limit it according to your gear score. And then you're going to be dealing with people that have good gear score, which means more than likely you're going to be dealing with people that, you know, actually are invested in wanting to do well. Because if they're strong enough to do Grandmaster 1, 2, or 3, I would assume they've been playing a lot and know what the frick they're doing. So, and again, guys, if you're watching this gameplay and you're like, man, why is he not deading or priming? I didn't get a debt priming tutorial. And as a newbie to the game that hadn't been paying attention to anything, it definitely affected my uh, my efficiency big time. So I, there's not a lot of combos in here, which is unfortunate because the Ranger's really fun with combos. Death Starfish, Morning Lono, didn't get a chance to play the demo, but the gameplay looks cool. What's the gameplay loop looking like in your opinion? Does everything seem replayable and grindable? Yes, it does. And the reason it all looks replayable and, and grindable is because you can set the difficulty spectrum up right you can set the difficulty spectrum up so you can constantly be raising the difficulty so you can do this when you do free play you can do this when you do a uh, a mission a contract you can do this when you do a stronghold these are all things that you can do to make the game feel like it's where you are and because of that I said this last night on the Rageous Roundtable. I'm not bashing Destiny when I say this, but one of Destiny's shortcomings has been that when you get to the end game, right? When you get to the end game, the 80% of the game doesn't matter. No, I did not play Andromeda. Yeah, apparently a lot of the stuff in this is right from Andromeda. I didn't play Andromeda. Um... When you get to the end game in Destiny, like, 80% of the game doesn't matter anymore. It just doesn't. Like, you don't care when you're max level and at the end game. You don't care about pubs, lost sectors, adventures, daily story missions, strikes. None of that stuff matters. So it, un- it basically the entire game becomes just pointless, right? You live in the top 20%. The difference in Anthem is... If my buds aren't around and I just feel like kind of like cruising around the public space and and doing some world events and trying to get some loot, if I feel like doing that, I can load up on hard or grandmaster one and just it'll be a little bit more laid back than a than a than a stronghold and I might get some good drops because I've set the game to my level. Don't you see what happens? I drag the game along with me where I'm going. Oh, I'm at this level. I can play it hard. I can play at Grandmaster 1. I can bring everything with me at that level. 
you know if if you don't do that that's what ends up happening like in destiny well i can't none of my buddies around i don't really feel like trying to run a a stronghold match made in in grandmaster one i guess i'm not gonna freaking do anything right you know but if you're like, no, I can go and do a contract. Contracts are pretty easy. It's like a bounty. I can go and do free play. I can go do world events and set it to Grandmaster 1. So it's not as intense, but the difficulty's there and the reward structure's in place. It keeps it keeps all the content relevant. Difficulty Spectrum is such a huge, huge, like, it's going to be paying out dividends down the road for this game. Bayaku says, How do you think the Interceptor fares in comparison to the other Javelins? It felt a bit underwhelming compared to the others in the Dungeon Tyrant scenario. Well, you gotta read when you pick them, because it says this is the most difficult one. Like, high skill required, basically. So the payout is high when the skill requirement is high. And I think Interceptor will be a part of Endgame Team Comp because of what, what, what they can do. Interceptor is a is a blade spinning is a is a blade wielding god that many people won't realize the godlike nature of the interceptor until they either watch somebody play it, watch a guide, or put the time in. I think Storm and Ranger will be mega popular because out of the box they just kind of can get the job done. They're they're pretty accessible. I think Colossus, as long as, he's, as long as Colossus is paced properly and you're consistently getting mod components that feed your armor and your health rating, so you don't feel like, uh, you don't feel super squi- like, um, super fragile. If you feel too fragile, then you're, you're not going to enjoy the Colossus. But I think Interceptor is going to be the one where until you really, really master how to play with one, you'll feel, you'll feel weak. And it's supposed to be that way. That's not your fault. That's how it's supposed to feel. Valor Bunker. Would you like to see a guild system with guild chat and anthem? I think something of a social thing like that would help. Like an internal organization. You know? Because if you... I think... Isn't there an internal clan system in the game? Out of the box? Or at least coming? I think that would be very helpful. That would be very, very helpful. Because then you could sort of say... All these people that I've met... They're all on my friends list. What if we formed uh, somebody saying alliance? Yeah, what if we formed an alliance? Uh, that could be really helpful because you may play with four dudes, and those four dudes are super nice, and maybe they play each individually with a couple other dudes. Right? It's a lot of dudes. If if they're all doing that, you can all come together and form one big group of dudes, and then you just got more people to potentially play with. Hypnotic, what does the lore look like in this game? Uh, oh, is it in the game? Is it a good story? That's important and not talked about. Now, as far as it being important, uh, Angry Joe stopped by the podcast last night. It was in chat, and we had a little bit of a back and forth. And he was saying that the story, there need, really needs to be a good story. He's like, if it's going to be a PvE-only game, why isn't there a really, really good story? I actually think the story is good from what I could tell the narration, the dialogue there was a lot of really good uh, you like when they'll like, they'll say a couple sentences and the sentence is kind of jam packed with history, almost like they give you character arc and development but you don't see it There's there's a sentence or two that represents it you know 
like when when two people are going back and forth about yeah like that time i saved you in amsterdam oh yeah that was really funny <laughs> all of a sudden you just got a story about them being in amsterdam right but you didn't see it i felt like that was that was pretty prevalent in the in the in the small bits of narration and dialogue that i heard and as far as the lore being in the game there's a lot of things you can pick up that will say things and teach you things about the game that they didn't want us to record or show because of spoilers so since they didn't want us to pick up things and read them and show them to you because of spoilers I would wager to say there's a significant amount of stuff in game that's going to be pretty interesting to check out if you want I don't check that stuff out because it doesn't really matter to me I want to go get cool loot um so uh Virturic with the brand new Prime sub thank you for using your Prime sub here I greatly appreciate it uh, let's see here. DJ War, my man says, since you played a more current build than the recent demo, I'd like to know how different is the more current build of Anthem in terms of UI controls, mechanics, weapon strengths, balance, etc. Uh, it didn't feel any different to me. There were a few minor UI changes, like when you would get cooled by the water. It was a green logo instead of a big white logo. And then that the primer and debt symbols were slightly different. The debt symbol, instead of being like a little spark, was a a, 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 fi- a piece of fire. So I'm not actually sure about the way the game felt. I, I didn't like crunch numbers and get out a calculator to see if I was doing things faster or slower. I wasn't even doing combos until I basically got back. So <laughs> I missed out. You'll see me doing a lot more combos when I can show the end game footage on February the 1st. Uh, Mr. Twist, I'm worried about being an eternal grind though too. Do you think that everything is earnable as possible from what you know? Everything we've seen, if it's purchasable, it's either an in-game currency or a currency you can buy with real money. There is always that as an option. Now, the rate at which you earn those coins, if it's slow to keep you from just buying every single cosmetic you want super fast, um, that's in my in my mind, that's fine. In my mind, that's fine. So, no, I don't have the full game. Rexol, Lono, are you going to get Origin Access to play a week early? Uh, if I do this, then buy the game and cancel my Origin Access, will my progress items characters carry over? I think it will be tied to your account. I don't work for Bioware, so I don't want to give you a solid answer on this. But I don't see why you would lose your progress. It would be tied to your account. It's not a demo. When you get early access, you're getting early access to the full game. Um... So, for me, as an EA game changer, I don't know if I need to sign up for anything. I should just be able to play on the 15th. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that clarification from them. But I would think they would want their EA game changers playing as much as possible early on and creating content. Evil Clown, do you think Anthem will let us have Javelin special builds like Diablo 2 and how Diablo 2 had special rune weapons and builds, uh, if you get what I'm saying? I don't really remember how the rune weapon system thing worked in Diablo 2. I feel like, didn't you put the runes inside of the weapons? Um, I don't know. As far as special builds, I think you're going to have... You can have a build that's centered around one certain thing. Um, There's abilities and things you can do to be a gun-centric build if you want. Uh, So, I would say... I would say that you're going to be able to have specific builds, but I don't know what you mean by special builds. Uh, 
Gimby says, what about using World of Warcraft's PvP versus PvE gear? I don't know enough about World of Warcraft to commentate. Like I said, if they're going to do it, it needs to be further down the line in its own encased encounter and environment. So. Valor Bunker. Do you miss dedicated healing abilities in Anthem like a Ranger Shield that heals? Um, it... The way that they feed you ammo and health on the ground, I think there's a rhythm of combat that... You're, it's going to be weird to say this, but it's a rhythm of combat that reminded me of Doom a little bit. Like in Doom, as long as I'm doing the finisher kills, and as long as I'm getting out the chainsaw every once in a while, I'm getting fed health and ammo. And in Anthem, I felt like as long as I was consistently using abilities, cooldowns, and my evasion to stay healthy... Any health I lose, it and it's not hard to, you know, get more of that on the on the ground. Like it isn't it isn't that difficult. So, I would say, I would say that there's not really a need to be like a healer. Um, there's a shield that boosts your team's damage by twenty percent. Yeah, the ranger does have a shield that can block shots or increase your just your, your generic gun damage. But I don't, I don't necessarily know. Now, I could be ill-informed here. There could be abilities that center around healing later on. I don't necessarily feel like the flow of the game needs that. But maybe Grandmaster 3, you're really going to want some top-tier healing. I don't know. So, Valor Bunker. Would you think a free-to-play Battle Royale mode would make the game very popular? I mean, again, if it's completely separate and it's its own thing, I actually thought you'd have to do some type of battle royale with squads because you'd have to be, you know, required to use all four, you know, all four players. But then even then, I don't know if you could do a battle royale. You'd only be able to do a couple of teams, right? I don't know, maybe 10 teams. So 40 people. And then each team, you have to have one of every, you know, class. The reason I don't think that would work or go over very well is because people people would not want to play as a class that they're not comfortable with. So, it's very likely, I mean, just last night, three of us said we really liked Colossus. Well, nobody's going to want to go into BR and get stuck with Interceptor if it's their least favorite, but it's like, well, because of Team Comp, each person has to play a class. I don't think a BR and a squad-based thing like that would work. I mean, that's how you'd have to set it up, because if not, it would be all Storms and Interceptors. Like, it would get, it would get kind of ludicrous. And also, I think it just grates against the identity of the game. You don't, you wouldn't have, um, you wouldn't have your stuff that you've been grinding for. So it's like, why, you know, it, it hurts the loot, the loot incentive loot aspect of the game. So. Dawn Hand, is there game chat or voice to go with uh, all this matchmaking? Yeah, there's in-game game chat. Yes. I am ironic says do you think that the big D2 streamers like yourself will dictate the popularity of this game I don't consider myself a big Destiny 2 streamer I know we pull good numbers but I don't think of myself in that way um, I mean if you do I, I, I appreciate the compliment I I don't know if I have the pull and the influence to dictate the popularity of any game uh, I think I can influence reception and ideas and presumptions about content but even then that's on a small scale I I don't know and then if I do like let's say all the people that come in and watch me over the coming weeks develop similar ideas and thought processes about Anthem right 
well, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go and share those thoughts with their buddies. That doesn't mean that's going to be a shared thing. That doesn't mean a lot of people are going to agree, you know. That also doesn't mean they're going to go and spread those thoughts on Reddit or forums or Twitter. They may just kind of keep it to themselves. So the popularity of this game is... I think touched by streamers and influenced by content creators but I think at the end of the day what fills a game like this with longevity and what keeps the player pool going is a fun fun content loop if if any old player can boot up and have a good time that's the secret sauce because that, that's what keeps the funnel f- full of players. If the, if the funnel is full of players that just love to play and love to shoot aliens and they just jump... I think the matchmaking is really going to serve this game if, if people can just keep getting into, into missions and content and loot pursuits and not have to wait. That, I think, is a, is a real key to the, you know, for the success. I go here if I need any D2 answers. So, love you. My uh, point was large streamers like Dr. Disrespect completely trash this game because of the loading screen. Now there's a ton of YouTube videos of it. The thing to consider, the thing to consider though is Doc disrespect trashing a game and saying like the load screens are really long and then there's a bunch of YouTube videos of it. What ends up happening is you have to consider something. There are people that will hate the game just because it's it's easy or fun to hate on the new thing, to hate on the popular thing, right? Those people are going to become an echo chamber for videos about that. Like, yeah, game sucks. Haha, <laughs> look how sucky it is. What a sucky, suck, suck, suck game, right? They're just going to jump on that and just parrot each other and all say the same stupid stuff. And the truth of the matter is those people don't matter. They're going to do that no matter what. They're going to find YouTube videos of the game being praised, and they're going to be like, this game sucks, you're a shill, you're a sellout, blah, 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 okay? So that demographic doesn't matter. They're ever-present, and they just they don't matter. Then there's the people that are looking forward to the game and are excited about the game. How many of them are going to be swayed by a video that says, oh, there's long loading screens? Well, that's it. I'm out. I'm not playing. Right? Now, obviously, the demo doing poorly is affecting people that were either on the fence or not sure. Like, I don't know, man. That's rough. People could even play. So, sure, I think that can affect receptability, but the people that are in the middle and on the fence and not sure about the game, I don't I don't know how many people are going to take Doc Disrespect serious as a review source because he's a character and he trashes everything and he uninstalls games all the time. That's part of the act. And I also think that most people that are on the fence about a game typically are not clamoring to YouTube to allow like early access reviews and early access videos be the be all end all in their decision I think some people do that but I think the lion's share of the people that buy and play video games see a dope trailer see the pre-order bonuses they see it in the store and they're like looks awesome let me grab it and the demo this weekend could potentially hurt or harm some of that receptability and some of those pre-orders if it doesn't go well because if it's another oh wow we can't even play moment that is pretty bad. I mean, that's just going to be um, the nature of it. There's a lot more YouTubers and streamers that are being fair when criticizing this game. I think people just are, are willing to hold off and say it was a demo. Let's just kind of wait and see. If what happened over the weekend was the day one launch of Anthem, I think people would have justifiably ripped it to ribbons 
and been like, what are y'all doing? Like, this is a triple-A game. This is, this is bad. Like, th- this is not, this is not the kind of release you want to have, right? So, um, problem, if you have taken money to advertise a game and you give it nothing but praise and no serious analysis, you are a shill. And if the haters point out a long list of issues with the game, anyone that bought or look at it and can find themselves and the haters would be right. You can dislike both of these things all you like, but if the information they are passing on is real and provable, they are right. That's a simple fact. Right, but long loading screens, I mean, is, did he have it installed on an SSD? I mean, I had it installed on an SSD and the loading screens weren't that bad. Now, there were infinite loading screens, there were connectivity problems, and there was rubber banding. So what if the, we don't know, like the, the, the long loading screens, the 95% lockup, the infinite looping, all of that could have been related to, that could have been related to the connectivity problems they were having, right? So it, pointing those things out, everybody pointed those things out, right? The difference between somebody that goes, what a joke, what a trash game, uninstalling it, this is garbage, and somebody saying, this is bad, they need to fix this. They're both highlighting and saying the same thing. I don't know a single person that's going to be like, nah, man, there were no glitches. It was fine. There were no problems. It loaded up just fine. Nobody that's an EA game changer is going to do that. Even Bioware themselves were open and honest about how disappointing the turnout was uh, as far as how well it went. So I don't... I think this idea that there are people that defend the game no matter what and are a shill and don't and don't acknowledge the problems and the glitches and the bugs, I, I don't know if these content creators exist anymore. I think there was a season where there were a lot of Call of Duty guys whose channels and success were intrinsically linked to COD and they never said anything bad about Call of Duty because they kind of wanted all the good treatment from the devs. They wanted to get invited to all the events. So it was understandable. And I think people people were people were understandably sort of like why are you never criticizing this game it's gotten bad there's problems there's glitches there's lag it's a triple a game this is the launch version right and in in this scenario with anthem the full game's not out yet and i haven't seen a single person that is an, an ea game changer or who got early access or who got to go to a the capture event that hasn't been totally honest about how disappointing the beta was you know you can say something was disappointing, glitchy, buggy, needing help. You can say all those things without being a douchebag and without being overly critical and overly negative. Um, so, Shroud said he had no expectations and extremely surprised at how much he liked the gameplay. I mean, that was my experience. I didn't think I was, I actually didn't think I was going to like it. Um, so, so many big streamers praise the gameplay and everyone including you and me had issues with bugs and glitches but the smarter people critiquing are looking past those issues right it's like the analogy with the CD that keeps skipping with the album once you finally get to listen to the music you're going to be like yeah this is a good album that doesn't mean that you weren't frustrated by the glitches and the problems but if you can look past those and say once people get into the game it's a good game that's not the same as being like I'm going to trash the game because it had bad connectivity Shiako says, if you get a premiere access, does this give you the game automatically? From what I'm reading, you don't have to buy the game. Yeah, premiere access is like a monthly thing, right? And when you have that, um, when you have that, I think you just get the game. It's kind of like the game pass for Xbox, isn't it? I don't know what it costs. I should probably get the details on that so when folks ask, I can give them the information, but... 
Both levels of access give you the game, says Milo. Well, there you go. Milo's done a ton of the research about it. Captain Cosmodrome, before you left for the event, you said on numerous occasions you thought Anthem would only appeal to a niche market. Do you still feel that way? There's still a part of me that's concerned about casual players catching the vision of the combo system, but the fact that they have tutorials tells me that 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 can capture, I think, a casual player base. And then when I saw the spectrum of difficulty, I think that could could capture a, a broad player base. You, I did. I said this many times. I thought I think it's going to appeal to a niche market. It seems like a min max. It seems like a bit of a like a Monhun grind. It's not like Monhun that I was wrong about. And so, whenever whenever I started playing the gameplay, I got immediately convinced that it was fun, which was a primary concern. And if I can instantly sort of be like, kind of like, wow, I, I really wasn't paying attention to this game, and I'm really enjoying myself, I think that's 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 the experience that a lot of casuals are going to have. And if there's a good tutorial that teaches them about, them about debts and primers, then I think they're going to be set up to really, really enjoy themselves. So... You gotta define what it means to be overly critical and overly negative, so you can be critical of something and and negative about it, but not to a point that it's overly so. What does that mean? How do you criticize something the legit way and get info out that in examples case is highly negative and bad for the player? It's fair and balanced way then. Well, when you when you create fallacious arguments, it's a non sequitur. It does not follow. That's what non sequitur means. That's a fallacy to say, well, the beta had long loading screens and glitches, so this game's crap. That's an illogical fallacy. Those two are not connected, right? The actual technical problems are not related to the game's quality and the game's fun, as acknowledged by the developers themselves that they were having server-side issues and loading issues. That, then, is an invalid and an illegitimate criticism, because you're making an illogical argument, right? It has to be reasoned. Reason it out. If you're going to make criticisms of the game, use reason, use logic. Don't just say, game sucks, game's crap, long loading screens, I got got locked up, I froze. You know? If it's not optimized well, again, that doesn't necessarily speak to the game's quality and the game's fun. Those two aren't connected. Now, they're linked because if I don't have a good optimization and it's glitching and it's freezing and the frame rate's crappy, that's going to hurt the fun factor. But I think it's safe to assume. I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad assumption. I think it's a fair assumption to say a game studio this size is going to have optimization in place when the game launches, right? It, it, people were like, six weeks isn't that long of a time. Every dev that I saw commenting said six weeks is actually a lot of time for optimization changes and updates. Like, look at how, look at what Bungie does in one month, and they are traditionally known for having slow development tech. And, and a slow engine, right? And they're able to make pretty big changes to things in a month. So I think it was just clear that it was an old old build. So I think you can be overly critical and overly negative when you make fallacious arguments, when you take something that is clearly wrong and then you draw false conclusions and and, and, and commit non sequitur. It, do, it does not follow, right? long loading times and lag it does not follow that doesn't conclude and lead to the conclusion that this game is crap and this game is bad don't buy it that's like a, that's just a false conclusion the two are not connected now if the game launches and a, and a week in they're still having those same problems then you can make that argument and say they can't even get this game off the ground but for a demo I, I think that's to be expected that's just that's par for the course in this in the technological realm that we exist that there will be server side problems 
problems. There will be connectivity issues. Everybody's trying to connect. And they had some sort of a server-side reconnect issue that basically DDoS their own servers. So, it's so easy for those who want to love something to say that those who are negative are just overly negative and haters. That's always bothered me as I'd like accurate info on something, even if it's negative and presented as such. I get your point, but we can't let this thing be kind of fanboy versus hater situation because regardless of where one stands on the uh, want this, want it to fail spectrum, uh, you stand, you're not served with false info, good or bad. Um, well, I'm not dealing in false info. So if you're, if you're unfamiliar with my content, that would make sense why you're saying the things that you're saying. If you're familiar with my content, I have more of a reputation of being critical than of being blindly praising. But typically what happens when I do praise or try to give context for problems or slow development cycles or things that people might not like and I try to give context, sometimes I try to give context and I get told that I'm a shill, I'm an apologist, I'm this or that or blah blah blah. And then in the very next video I have people telling me that I complain too much and I criticize too much. Everyone's tribalistic and just picks a side and regardless Regardless of the video, whether it's a critical video or a video defending something, I get to hear from both mindless morons in the YouTube comments that basically you're just like, they see the world in black and white. Oh, you defended something? Shill. Oh, you criticized something? You're a whiner. You're a complainer. Like, that's generally how it breaks down. I do both regularly, and I won't hold back just because, oh, you were paid to advertise the game. I mean, not necessarily. I was paid to come out and play the game, which gave me access to content, which is then a symbiotic relationship because it serves my aims as a content creator to have early access to content. I was never once asked to promote the game. I was never once asked to put things in a good light. Not once. So... I was asked to not make videos about glitches because there will be glitches, and I was asked to not show the store because it was all placeholders. That was it. And the interaction I had with them that was an actual back and forth was, what's your feedback? What did you think? Are there things that can be improved? That was the interaction I had with them. So I don't feel like I'm being asked to sell the game. I think people say that because they just, they like to criticize and they like to, you know, go in on streamers. Dr. Legend, do you think cross-play, cross-save will be a thing for Anthem? Initially, there is none of that, unfortunately. Uh, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. If, if like Bungie, um, if, if like Bungie, they are keeping everything on, you know, on their servers and on Origin, I could see them doing cross-save, because it would just basically link it to your Origin account and say, oh, here's your, here's all your javelins with all your, your gear. Um, I, I think that, uh, I think that that could be something they could add later on. Cause if it's all held on their servers, it's not like your character and your loot is on your Xbox. Do you know what I'm saying? But I don't know how they store your characters and stuff. So honestly, I feel say no to rage is right up the middle for everyone as a community EA and Bioware knew how he would present the product and clearly like the idea or they wouldn't have reached out to him. I mean, I got reached out to after saying numerous times what my concerns were, what I thought was going to be good about the game, and how I hadn't been touching it or paying any attention to it, because I wanted to go into the game with little experience. And after I said that two or three days in a row, I suddenly had an invite to the event and to become a game changer. So, also I sit day in, day out, and make criticisms and and, and defenses and arguments for Destiny's improvements. So, I, I have a reputation 
for being not a shill and not someone who holds back. So I don't think I got invited so they could like, let's get this guy to become a, a walking commercial for our game. I think they're confident in their product. Unfortunately, the tech difficulties of the VIP demo kept people from seeing that. Um... Uh, Reboot Gamer I know you've seen some Endgame which you can't talk about but what do you think the special event will be Sunday during the open demo I have no clue maybe they'll finally tell us about the Shaper Storms Ruku1012 with the next question sorry I needed a drink so about PvP are people worried about that a potential PvP mode would affect PvE balance, or is it about development time and folks would remain focused on PvE experience and otherwise would have been as good as it could have been. Right, well, I outlined this in my talk. If you take people off the PvE to work on PvP, that has an automatic detriment to the game's content ad. If you don't split the game down the middle, that means you're going to have to worry about balance. If you do split the game down the middle, I think that hurts the game's identity because then you have a game where you chase loot and power that can't be taken into the PvP realm, which dilutes the game's identity. There's layers of problems, I think, with adding PvP. Layers. I'm not saying they couldn't do it and do it well. I just think they face a lot of potential hurdles and things that could rob Peter to pay Paul. And if you rob Peter to pay Paul, and they both end up with less money, then they, they both got coin, less coins jingling in their pocket. We got less to do. Both sides get diluted. It's not worth it. Sherry, LOL. Hey, just since 9.10, online MMO games fail on release. Um, since Oh, I'm sorry. Since 9 out of 10 online MMO, MMO games fail on release since 10 years back or so, do you have any thoughts about why this should be a good game on release in comparison to all our games that have been bad on release? I would need a more substantive argument here than just your claim that 9 out of 10 online MMO games fail. I don't know which ones you're talking about. If I knew which ones we were talking about, I might be able to speculate as to why they didn't do as well. Maybe they were too similar to established franchises, right? If they're too similar to EverQuest, World of Warcraft, and the like, they become white noise, right? If they're too similar to things that are already out there, or if they're too difficult to learn, or, you know, who knows, the marketing that went into it, the size and scope of the game, their budget, their reach, uh, there, there's so many things that could go into the receptability of a game, and if I don't know those things, it's hard to comment on this. I think the reason that this game will do well is because of two things. Primarily, I think the gameplay delivers both something that is unique, meaning you can't go play another game and get this experience elsewhere. That's automatically appealing. Because once you play this, you're like, I can't get this. I can't get that dopamine injection and that feeling of being Iron Man or whatever, whatever it is that it is you that you like about it. If you can't get that anywhere else, that's automatically winsome. It's just automatically. It's automatically winsome. Unless people hate it, which... If you hate it, then that's not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the people that buy the game and find it appealing when they see the gameplay and they're 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 a fan, right? So they buy it. So I think the gameplay being unique is 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 your is your front door just opening up, and a lot of people are going to come in and be like, "This is really unique." The second part of the gameplay that I think that is going to really help this game do well is that it's really fun. It it is just it's fun. It's fun to fly around. It's fun to feel like Iron Man, and then the gameplay 
has layers. So once you start to really get into both two aspects of the layers, the combos and then the co-op, cooperative play and combos kind of play together, but you can do the combos without co-op. Once you start to get a taste for that, that's also linked to the uniqueness. Like you can't play another cooperative shooter like this. You just can't. Whenever I play Destiny or Borderlands, there's there's something that's just so simplistically like just damage bath. You're just giving everything a damage bath. It doesn't matter who does what in what order. But in this game, there's an intelligence and a strategy, I think, that makes you feel different than other games. So all of those things, I think, will lead to this game having a very good reception initially. Now, that doesn't mean that in the long run it'll do well. Because if the end game reveals itself to be too thin, if it reveals itself to be you know, not uh, not lengthy enough or or missing extension, right? It just takes too long for them to add to it. Well, then that, uh, that, that could hurt it in the long run. But in the initial release, I think people are going to be like, this is, this is going to be really, really fun for folks. And once they get a taste for combos and chasing loot and you start to see those different color pieces of loot drop, man, there's something about that. You start to see greens and blues, and then you see a purple. There's, that does something to you. I'm telling you, it does. I'm telling you. The reason they did color spectrum in Fortnite, it works there too. It does. Because you, you see loot pop out of a chest. And you're like, yeah! It gives you a little teeny dopamine injection. And then it keeps you coming back. Dyson 350. Not sure if this has been asked or touched on. What are some things in Anthem you like better compared to Destiny 2? What are some things you dislike compared to D2? Uh, I mean, compared to D2, I like the impact of my loadout changing things dramatically, because if I change my loadout in Destiny, I still do basically the same thing. I can use the the breakneck. Today, I use the breakneck, the pulse rifle, uh, hand cannon. It doesn't matter. It does. It, I'm doing basically the same thing. The combat in this game dramatically shifts and changes depending on your loadout, so I think that is where it does that a little bit better than Destiny. They're different games, so you got to be fair, right? A shooter is going to get into a bit of a trope and into a bit of a lane, and Destiny just is mainly based around shooting mechanics, right? So, as far as things that I dislike compared to Destiny, I do think the social aspect missing from the you know the Fort Tarsus area, and as Eugene is pointing out, not having a lot of people in these public spaces when you're flying around. It is a bit of a bummer, but you have to consider something. I was talking about this. I forget when I was talking about this, but if there's 12 people roaming around a public space, yeah, this fight, I don't, I don't, I do not survive this fight, uh, Moon. <laughs> I don't, I die. The, I was way too weak, but I was having fun just experimenting and screaming about giant monkeys chasing me. The, the public space has fights like this and once you're at level and strong you and three people could come up here and make light work of these two mean monkey boys right? big old monkeys they look like bully mongs from Borderlands a little bit well you you and though they're bears they're monkeys okay that's what I call them Um, I like how their name is you're six like you're six (laughs) no I'm not I'm 37 the Use your ult. Yeah, I don't use my ult here either. I was trying to experiment with damage on them, just seeing what I could do. I didn't. I don't think I used my ult. I was just experimenting because I knew I wasn't going to win. Um, anyway, 
you could come up here with four people that know what they're doing and probably make light work of these guys, especially once you get pretty strong. If you got into the upwards of eight people in the public space, you start to take some of that fight and some of that 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 spice, you just take it out of the game. And a perfect example was today when I was playing Destiny and I was a public event and I saw the boss was on the other side of the container and I went to run around the container and he was dead before I could get there, okay? Now, Destiny's different. That's not as big of a deal. But in this game, these big fights with these Titans and these Ursixes, I mean, that is going to be something that you don't want to have neutered and diluted by the fact that there's, oh, there's 10 people up here just blowing these dudes up. You also have to consider, you also have to consider the size and scope of the attacks. Just my lightning strike, like watch my lightning strike. Do you really want eight people in an area doing that? You want your frames and you want your graphics to just get completely hosed? Think, come on. You think your console could handle nine homies up here doing boom booms and big and big stick drops and everything else? Like I'm making up words now, but you wouldn't want that. You, it would, it would break your game. It would. It wouldn't be able to keep up. You'd be like, I'm getting ten frames a second. This fight's amazing. Like that happens in Destiny. That happens in Destiny. Go do the witch's ritual on Titan, and I am dead. Rest in peppers. Go and do the witch's ritual on Titan, and don't tell me that too many people in the public space would really, really hurt this game. It would. It would. I get what people where people are coming from, but we've got to be realistic, man. A bunch of colossuses launching, you know, uh, uh, explosions and mortars and all those. All it, the, everything is so graphically and sound intense. You really got to be careful. I think. I think they had to kind of keep it somewhat reined in and that's disappointing it would be cool to have 10 homies in an area just going nuts that would be really really cool but man oh man it would be really really hard it'd be really really hard uh momendo god says in your opinion anthem or division 2 completely different games homie it's like so different in both appeal in both combat everything the the nature of combat in Division is very cover-based, boots on the ground, and it is it is driven by specialization, but it's not driven by mobility, agility, verticality. You know the abilities that you have. There's no there's no cover-based combat here, right? And I don't I don't think that this game and the Division 2 are in even remotely in competition. They're not. I, I don't think so. Because even if you really like Division, which I think Division's going to... I think Division 2 is going to deliver a great loot pursuit grind. I think it's going to deliver a really great game of feeling like there's plenty to chase and plenty to do, plenty to min-max. But I think there's a couple of things that are working against Division being like this big pull away from Anthem. Number one, it's a sequel. It's not a new IP. If you played Division 1, Division 2, understandably, is going to feel like Division 1. Now, they've done a much better job with investment and the end game and, and, and listening to the community. But ultimately, if you've seen and played Division 1, you've had a, you've, you've kind of been there, done that, right? It was like when I played the most recent Gears of War. I got like halfway through the campaign I was like dude I've just kind of been here done this man it just I've 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 been in these cover based shootouts before with 
with the the enemies and I, I'm not having a new experience I'm, I'm I, I put the game down right so I think Division 2 will have its appeal but I don't think it's going to just automatically unseat Anthem nobody's going to be like yeah I'm done being Iron Man and a, and a wizard of, of death and a big tank I'm done doing that I'm going to go play slow cover based shooting you know boots on the ground real world division and I'm never coming back to um, I'm never going to come back to Anthem. I don't think people are going to come to that conclusion. Yeah, and a ninja. Sorry, sorry, I left that interceptor. And a ninja. I think these games can all, I think they can coexist very easily. Nice87, do you know what happens if you miss to pick up loot? Okay, so apparently if you lose loot, like you get DC'd or something, and the loot's like on the ground and you get like kicked or something you come back into the game and like go into free play and then leave free play what the game basically needs to do is have the the you're done with the mission screen so when you leave free play it gives you like that summary screen and that summary screen pulls down your missing loot it's like your missing loot's like hovering out there that's essentially what they said you need to do. So as far as I know, there's protections in place. The game acknowledges there was loot on the ground. That is your loot. No one can pick that loot up. And if you didn't get it, you'll get it later as soon as you do the whole leave mission thing. Anything below rare is not auto-picked up. So that won't be waiting for you if it's below rare? Huh. The loot was in my inventory when I get disconnected. I was under the impression that anything that dropped on the ground was yours as long as you came back in and did that thing. Watch these rockets here. Look at that. Oh, yeah. They all they all sought after them. That was awesome. That was awesome. So if it's like white or green, you, don't, you just don't get it? Because white is... Isn't white common and green's uncommon? Uh... DZS Crank. Will the loot drop stay uh, stay the same? Because on the E3 trailer, we saw the exact loot they got. It seems that they made a decision to not do that, and I don't know exactly why. Um, I don't know why they did that. I think it's because they didn't want to have people loot gazing. Now, I don't know if they could update it and go back to it saying on the screen what you got, so you could be like really excited. Maybe they didn't want to do that either. Um, because people would be like, oh, that's what I've been looking for. I'm going to leave. When it's like generic, you're like, oh, I'll wait and see what I got till later. Because the flow of combat, especially with everything being matchmaking, the last thing you want to do is have people either navel gazing because they're like, oh, let me look at all my loot and they stop. And you're like, come on, man. I want to get this mission done. You frick. Get up here. I need you to prime like you're playing with, you know, match made match made homies. And if, and if that doesn't happen, but they don't let you switch it out and look at it, but it says it on the screen, so many people would be like, oh man, I finally got the mod component of one. All right, I'm going to leave. And they just like bail on the mission. And then you're sitting there short a player. Well, then people get match made in to fill the gaps and they miss the beginning. So they miss the loot and then they're angry. And then it just, it's a disruption to the game flow. I think that's why they did it. So it's because everything is match made and the combat really starts to shine when you're 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 having that cooperative experience and that gets disrupted if people are loot gazing or leaving because they got something dope. So 
Stormcrow. Why do you think the devs are hesitant to add text chat? I play games like these for a social aspect, and the anti-social defaults, like a default opt-out of local chat, in Destiny really saddens me. <clears throat> and I really hope Anthem goes to more social experience by default, which people can opt out if they like. Yeah, I don't know what the call's gonna be there. I see both sides of the uh, situation. You don't want to get match made with some kid just ranting and raving and saying, you know, racist stuff. That's never fun. But you also don't want to make it really arduous and hard for folks to communicate with each other in a game where communication really brings things up to level 10. Yes, there's individual loot like Diablo. So, I actually think one of the best things to do is when you're matchmaking it would be good to say would you like just pop up and say would you like us to put you into game chat so you can talk with your team and coordinate combos and if you're like you know what I don't want to listen to some kid right now I'm just going to dial this in this is only on normal this is only on hard I don't want to hear some squeaky voice kid yelling at me I play with young kids by the way I'm not trying to be mean but like you know I don't want to listen to that right now but if you're going in the Grandmaster 1 and you're like, yeah, I mean, I probably should. These people probably know what they're doing. Um, so, the FCC has made all new multiplayer games with chat require text-to-speech and vice versa for accessibility or else they face fines. Yeah, but text-to-speech is not what we're talking about. So, I think it should just put it right in front of the player's face. So, before they go in, they make a decision. And then that helps... If you click, and that's something they should do too in the matchmaking. If before I matchmake, I say yes, please put me into game chat, then it should try to match me with people that are saying the same thing. Right? Right? It, it, sh- it, it, should, it, should, it should let you say that and then match you with people. The law says you cannot have text chat without text-to-speech and vice versa. Oh, so they don't add text chat because then they must do text to speech and that's just development time they probably don't want to spend. Yeah. That's why regulations aren't all that helpful, Fed. I mean, there you go. Loss of features because of a, of a heavy-handed rule. Trip and Monkey. Do you see the need for an interstitial screen between matchmaking uh, where you can communicate with the team and set a loadout? Oh, like an inner, like an intermission, like almost like an intermission screen. Yeah, we talked about this. It would be nice to get, okay, here's your team and you're all like standing on a platform and it says, you know, here's everyone's loadout and you're like, oh, you're using that. Hang on a second. And then you like switch some stuff around and then you can ready up. I think that would be a good change. Now, I don't know if that's a quality of life change we can get because like changing the way, changing the flow of matchmaking is usually pretty significant. So, Moldy Baloney, why didn't they use Capture Event Build if you know? Because Microsoft and Sony make you pay for certification, and that process is not quick. So, they would have had to redeploy the new build, the updated build, and wait for certification and pay for certification for the distribution of the demo on those platforms. So, that is why consoles are frustrating because of the way they do that as well that is why Fortnite is always going to remain in early access it's a loophole they never have to play for they never have to pay for the certification for their redeploys and their updates and that would have been costly 
and that also would have taken time. So it's unfortunate, but that's the nature of the situation, and I can't stand that that's the reality. Gamers are being protected by the certification. Like, they don't want people to be able to push out, like, viruses and malware and stuff, because Microsoft is like, this is our platform, we need to protect people. But... I would think they could do something with larger developers to let that be a little bit quicker or cheaper uh, or more streamlined because it's that's that's frustrating that they have a six week old build that could have been updated and tweaked and made better to, to make things run smoother for folks and they couldn't do that. F. Poonage says... Uh, how would you feel about them instilling a Paragon system similar to Diablo 3 consistent endgame growth separate from RNG? My only thought on that is you've got to be careful because what ends up happening there is if if that becomes the primary grind little percentages and little buffs to all your abilities right? On top of your build I think that gets that can get difficult for for like balancing and scaling if you add new loot, right? If they don't know they're going to be doing that from the get-go, it can be I think it can be tough to manage. So, I'm not against it, but I think it can start to undercut stuff. It can start to make it to where you're just too strong. Um so we'd have to wait and see exactly how strong we get with a whole maxed out nice set. And what that looks like at Grandmaster 3 before asking for something like that. Regent. Not about PvP, but do you think they will continue to add increasing Grandmaster levels like Diablo and the Torment difficulties? There's a possibility. I mean, since they call it Grandmaster 1, 2, and 3, I mean, it does leave room to say, what about 4, 5, and 6, right? So, I I think that I'm going to say that's possible, but I don't have any information on whether or not they plan to do that. Salty True 9, adding to what you're saying about PvP going against each other, what about having a Gambit-style mode without being able to inv- invade? I mean, we, you are, I think, I feel like you're adding, submitting this question now on different accounts, so I, we literally had this exact question twice from the same person, and I submitted it again. Johnny Always, do you know Anthem will have an in-game LFG? It has matchmaking for all activities, you don't need LFG. Uh... Kick, kick a J. Do you think players will turn their attention elsewhere if Anthem doesn't reveal additional elder uh, endgame content soon? No, I don't think that's a concern of most players. I think most players that play a little more casually and just want fun things to do and people to shoot are just going to pick up the game and play. I mean, I think there's probably a portion of the gaming community that's like on the fence. They're like, well, if they can't really deliver a solid endgame, I'm going to kind of stay on the sidelines. So they're waiting to hear about that. Uh, but at the, at, at the, at the end of it all, uh, I think, I think they could probably not really have to speak too heavily to end game. And still, I still think they would do okay with, um, with sales and things. I don't think that's a, that's a question that people have, but that question, if it's not answered with specificity, isn't going to make people be like, I'm not buying that. So... RPG 071, any chatter about Anthem bringing different planets and environments? Uh, no, not yet. We don't know anything about that. Uh, Crazy King, in the endgame activities such as Strongholds, they're being compared to Strikes and Destiny, so does that mean we should be seeing a raid-like activity difference from Strongholds, or do you think it could be Strongholds on High Grandmaster difficulty as the main endgame activity? I think a raid would be amazing for this game because the Strongholds are already great. There are rumors about raids right now, nothing confirmed. 
Uh, Slap 55, do you think there will be a solo free uh, play in the full game? Do you think there will be a solo free play in the full game? Oh, you mean like you don't want to play with anybody? You can set it to private so you can run stuff solo, yeah. If you want to just go out into the world or go on missions and stuff, you can select uh, privacy settings and just say private. You don't want to play with folks. Um, You do that for anything. If you really want to challenge yourself and try and do like a really insane mission all... Uh, by yourself. You can't private the free play. Now, it didn't allow f- private and free play, but was that was that only restricted in the demo? In the full game, I imagine you'd be able to do that, right? Unless they don't want you taking up server space by yourself, so they may restrict free play in the full launch. I thought maybe that was just in the demo. Milo's saying free play and strongholds are not private. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't honestly know. Again, I don't know why you'd want to go into strongholds by yourself unless you really wanted to challenge yourself. They could allow you to do that later on, maybe, if you're really just wanting to do, like, a challenge. Like, can I do this by myself? Um, so. Lord of Warfare. Is there a raid-like level in Anthem similar to that in Destiny? We don't know. Kaz21112 says, I don't know, if you decide down the road, do you think you would introduce a PvP Jal and Gladiator and weapons to keep the two game modes separate I mean if you were playing PvP with one javelin only that was totally separate you know and you called him a, a gladiator I I don't know I mean that would basically feel like another game everybody would be running out around with the exact same class and then that class obviously would be completely balanced because you'd all be having the same abilities and stuff so Bower Sox. Did they mention if fire teams are only as large as four players or if they would be larger? No mention of larger fire teams, no. The rumor about eight-man raids is completely unconfirmed. It seems the entire game is standardized for four players. Uh, bonus Rooster Jr. In my opinion, I believe that focusing on PvE content is where they will see the best growth for the game. All games right now are too focused on having PvP and the Battle Royale. This PvE-only game uh, will be refreshing and remind... Uh, and it reminds me of my favorite franchise, Borderlands. Um, this is not a question, so I guess thanks for sharing. <laughs> Milo, if the game has bugs and issues during the early access week, should we give it a pass in hopes of a day one patch since the actual date of the full game? Um, ah, here's the thing. I'm, I have never, ever, and never will um, say, yeah, buy the game. Or, yeah, you need to pre-order, right? If you play this weekend in the free in the free demo and it's got problems and bugs and you get frustrated or it's got things in it that you think are worrisome and you're like, dude, I, I can't, I cannot and I can't really buy this game right now in, in confidence. I'm not going to try and convince you to buy it, right? I'm not going to try and do that. I'll probably try and give you what I think is a fair summation of what happened. If it's, if it's server-side issues and technical bugs and things like that, I don't think those are reasons to be gun-shy and like, oh, I'm not going to get the game. The game's trash. It might be a reason to maybe wait a day. You know, maybe wait a day or two. If you get if we get a couple days into the game and everything's smooth sailing, I mean, think about it like this. Here's a really, really good answer to this question. From the 15th all the way to the launch date of the 22nd, there'll be people playing and talking about the game on Twitch. So you have until the official launch that you have a whole week to be like, you know, you have a full week. And that's what this question's getting at, right? 
if the early access week is bad, should we give it a pass? I mean, that's up to you as a player. That's up to you as a player. I feel like 90% of the problems that this game was having were connection side problems that are going to happen from server side updates and patches to streamline connections. The game itself is not having those issues. It's, it was all connectivity based. Avenger DX, how many strongholds would you be happy with in the final release, not counting what they add in the future? I don't really have a number. I know initially it's going to be like three. I would think if they get all the way upwards of like, you know, after a year, if there's like 10, like if every quarter they add like three, you know, that'd be pretty good. But I might be overshooting it. I don't know. Milo, what are your thoughts on when repairing yourself in free play, it takes you back to where you first spawned rather than close to where you went down? Yeah, I don't... I don't know if they could do this, but I think it'd be cool just like drop you out of the sky instead. <laughs> you know, just drop me out of the sky. And I just, suddenly I'm just flying and floating down instead of all the way back at the beginning. Even though the weapons are an afterthought, how do they feel? Had problems with shotguns and hand cannons. Did they did they feel satisfying because of the sound problem? Uh, oh, because of the sound of it. Uh, I didn't have any issues with shotguns. Hand cannons, I think you have to use, you know, in a specific way. Um, I didn't have any issues with the weapons again once I started using them as an intermission in between abilities. I felt, I don't know, I felt like they felt pretty good. You also have to remember, you also have to remember there's six, there's six levels of weapons, I think. There's white, green, blue, purple. And then there's Masterwork, which is like orange. And then there's Legendary, which is like yellow. All right. So there's six. There's six levels. We only got to touch, as far as my experience, I don't know. I I got to touch the Masterwork stuff. And I don't know how, I I didn't really like pay attention to how much different it felt. Because I wasn't, I wasn't like taking notes and like really watching. I was just having fun. But most of what we used in the demo, it was white and green and maybe blue so you were you were using the bottom half of the tiers of guns of of guns so uh mayonnaise says have the devs mentioned or hinted at how regular content updates will be the audience this game targets is going to bring in hardcore people who will rip through the content second what are your thoughts on interceptor melee close range viability at higher levels First, they've not talked about the extension of the endgame. That's the big question mark. Second, I watched Datto play Grandmaster 1 with the Interceptor, and it's my belief that the Interceptor is built for high skill, high endgame damage. I believe that. So I I think that's why it's marked as the higher skill class and the one that a lot of people are probably just going to wait to open until the very end, unless they're a diehard fan out of the gate. So... That's my thoughts on that. I mean, I got to see it in action in Grandmaster 1, and it was it was a strong class. It was very, very good. So, that is the last question, guys. Great Q&A today. Well, I'm going to keep streaming. I'm not shutting the stream down. I'm going to do an outro for the podcast, because this hits other platforms. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, I appreciate you listening and watching all of my content. You can come in live. I'm probably live right now. Twitch.tv slash Say No to Rage. As with all of my content, please like, share, and subscribe.